Do you need this lifted or are you good? Are you good? say happy new year and uh, we almost wonder in that emotional feeling inside what exactly am I wishing or what am I hoping for um, our families had a good laugh this week with a particular cartoon that uh, was passed around and a crowd of people are standing by a wall on a corner and they're all looking around the corner and someone has a very long stick and they're over there pushing a door open, and on the door, they're looking through the door cautiously, it says 2022. So we do wonder what's ahead. And uh, a couple questions to sort of ask today uh, as we look at the new year. Will the darkness continue? And who walks in darkness and has no light? A couple of questions that have been on my mind. Um, and we've, we've come through the Christmas season, and we talk a lot about the light. We sing about the light, and of course... Um, enjoyable time this morning with music and enjoying the Lord's Supper together. Remember the light that he's brought into our lives. So we're certainly here to gather together to remember that. But maybe some mixed feelings as to how you uh, would wish someone a happy new year without being too negative about it. Because, of course, we could be uh, hopeful. We certainly could be uh, thinking about goals that are ahead, things we'd like to accomplish. Uh, We might be optimistic and... um, Think about those surprisingly good things that will come, because we know there will be good things that come. Um, God is good. And uh, things that we don't expect, but there will be victories, there will be growth in our lives in the year ahead. So we certainly look forward in that way. Um, We should be intentionally looking forward, of course, to um, how we will grow with one another, how we will study together, um, how we might gather in care groups, uh, how we will train our children and uh, see them learning and growing and things of the Lord. All those good things, of course, we look forward to. Or as we look forward in the new year, we do wonder, and uh, as we heard last week, not to be in anxiety over the future, not to be caught up in asking the what-ifs, but we do make plans for the year ahead, and we do hope that those things go well, but we do certainly have questions. Could this be a difficulty we're going to face in the new year? Should we prepare for something that's coming in the new year? And it's good to prepare and in wisdom look forward in that way, but again, uh, maybe you wonder, what ways in the new year will my faith be tested? In what ways will I continue to struggle? Um, What difficulties might pop up that I don't even foresee right now? Because we know that's reality, that those things could come. So the questions at the top are, will the darkness continue? And who walks in darkness and has no light? But I have one other question for you. And being a science guy, you could understand this would be a philosophical challenge for me. Can light and darkness exist at the same time? So if you want to have a scientific or kind of philosophical discussion on that, you can dig into that conversation with a good friend if you'd like to. But um, let's uh, think for a moment about an illustration, and then we'll look in Scripture at um, some ways that we see these things coming together, existing at the same time, because we certainly enjoy the Christmas season. We've spent uh, weeks here singing the Christmas songs, thinking about the light, the light of this calm. And do we pause and think about the darkness? And you say, well, that's not too fun, Steve. You really want to preach a message about the darkness? Um, but it is there together, and we need to think about um, how the light tells us something about the darkness or how in the darkness we could see the light. Okay, so those may be things that might be more closely related than you think. Um, for an opening illustration, a couple of weeks ago I saw a viral video that was circulating, and uh, it seems that things that are viral really get our attention, at least really 
make us think about what's the point of this thing that we're passing around, especially if it's a video. It must be making a very specific point that we should pause and consider. Um, so you'll remember all the storms that were going through Kentucky and in the Midwest, and a viral video went around that made a, a pretty significant point. Um, the main scene of the video is a destroyed home, um, a wall completely missing, um, but yet as the lady moved her phone around, there was a wall with a fireplace and all the books were in perfect order. Like, how is that possible that this wall is gone and that's still in perfect order over there? So it makes you ask questions as you see the video play on, like, how is this possible? So the furniture is still in the living room, uh, but there's no roof over the living room and kitchen, and you hear music playing on a piano, and uh, the lady turns the corner, and a man is playing a hymn on the grand piano with no roof over his head, and I think you'd recognize the tune he was playing, if I dare sing it. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So you're sitting there playing your piano, thinking about God's glory and grace in the midst of that. That really made a statement to me. So I've been thinking about this connection of light and darkness. And, you know, again, we sing a lot of the, the light side of things. Um, but let's take a look today at um, some other references that bring those two ideas together. Um, Matthew 4.16 says, The people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light, and those who were sitting in the land in the shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. So we like to focus on the light. That's the exciting, encouraging part. But what was this darkness like? What, what is it that we were drawn out of? And you think of your own testimony where you were in life before Christ came in and made that change. Uh, it makes you really appreciate the light all the more. So it's good to take a pause and look back um, at what the darkness may have been in your life at one time and be willing to share that testimony with someone. Uh, so it wouldn't be a good lesson from me without a little homework, so I'll just throw the homework out now. It's optional. Um, search your favorite app or a concordance, but I'd like you to do it maybe by searching two words at the same time. Consider searching not just light or darkness, but search for both and find as many verses as you can that come up with both words in it. Uh, it would be an interesting time to just take a devotional time for 15 or 20 minutes and look at the kinds of verses that come up at that time. And again, a lot of the familiar ones will come up. Uh, John 8, uh, 12, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the, but will have the light of life. So it might not be uh, terribly difficult homework. Um, I pushed myself a little bit to look into the Old Testament. And uh, I have three verses here I'll read to you from Isaiah. Of course, at Christmas time, we think about Isaiah 9. Uh, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, and those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them the light has shone. Isaiah forty-two sixteen, And I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know, in paths that they have not known, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, and the rough places into level ground, and these are the things I do, and I do not forsake them. So it might be... Uh, encouraging to you to put those two thoughts together, study the verses that have those two ideas in the same verse. Isaiah 45, 7. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. So it's an interesting question to consider darkness and light together. 
And of course, maybe you have some favorite verses, Psalm 139, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. So it's encouraging to us to think that for God, um, darkness doesn't hinder his ability to see. It doesn't slow him down. Um, The things that might slow us down uh, don't limit God. His sight is not limited. So he can see in the dark just as well as he can see in the light. God is omniscient and he's sovereign. So let's define scripture uh, and the ways that we see it in, uh, define darkness the way we see it in scripture. And maybe we start with the simple definition of simply that darkness is no light. Okay, so maybe we look and find some references in scripture that uh, just simply refer to darkness. Uh, Maybe you feel like the winter is a long season of darkness. We talk about how the days are uh, getting short and longer, and we think about this during the winter season, maybe a season of your life is um, darker inside because of darkness outside, or the length of light during the day. But let's take a quick look at Genesis, in Genesis chapter 1, I'm just going to hop, skip through a couple verses, and uh, in verse 2 of Genesis 1, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters doesn't seem like darkness means anything particularly evil or bad here. It's just what was or what wasn't at that time. Verse 4, God saw the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. Verse 5, God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. So it seems like darkness isn't something to be afraid of. It's just marking out time. It's just separating part of the day from another part of the day. Verses 12 to 18, God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, to separate the light from the darkness, and God saw that it was good. So evidently, dark is okay. I know some of us are afraid of the dark uh, or concerned in the dark for maybe other questions that are questions about what we don't see, what we don't know, something that makes the dark uncomfortable. But in the beginning, darkness didn't seem to be a problem. So physically, just dark is no light. But maybe in other ways in Scripture, you're thinking, what about other things we read in Scripture where darkness means more than just not the presence of light? So if we go to John, and at the beginning of the Gospel of John, I'll read a few verses here. Um, certainly we understand darkness to mean a condition that we are redeemed out of. Um, You think of the darkness in your life before Christ invaded your life. You might even use the Christianese to explain what this transition was like. Where, Where did I come out of? What did God rescue me from? There's this idea of being redeemed or rescued out of darkness and into the marvelous light. So these, again, are familiar verses that I read to you, but sometimes it's good to pull these familiar verses together. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So there's a light that shines into the darkness that we experienced And this is the light of the gospel. Of course, we understand the gospel means the good news of how the light shines into the darkness to redeem us out of that darkness. It is light that redeems us out of darkness of sin. 
Um, I might uh, refer you back by way of review if you're looking for some messages to go back to and listen again on your iPod or your phone at some point. Um, Go back to a message on September 26th. We um, are thankful that Pastor Justin shared with us the guaranteed success of missions. And a phrase that's been rolling around in my head since that time is, the darkness doesn't win. The darkness doesn't win. Um, I even after that time, sometime between September 26th and recently, uh, I had these cards already prepared. I wrote down all the references from that sermon right here. I, I look through these occasionally, and I remind myself that the darkness doesn't win. I say, surely the darkness will not overwhelm me. The light around me um, will be um, the light around me will be night. Even darkness is not dark to you. So that's the psalm reference. Um, Anyone born of God, is God will protect him. Um, upon this rock I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. The mission of what Jesus came for is not going to be stopped. Okay, the, You're not stuck in darkness. Darkness doesn't win. And that's the phrase that's been rolling around in my head since that time. So when we think of darkness and redemption and salvation, just remember the darkness that we speak of here doesn't win. Uh, Another place in John chapter 3 I'd like to reference here is um, Jesus and the great conversation with Nicodemus. This is one of my favorite um, conversations between people in the Bible, especially as far as Jesus speaking to someone. Uh, It's a very interesting conversation where Nicodemus recognizes the light, but he's wondering about the context he lives in, and maybe he doesn't realize the darkness of it. He thinks that his religious way is the way of light and the good way. And uh, Jesus has the conversation, and we think about the kind of things that Jesus was addressing with Nicodemus to point out the darkness, to point out what that is that he needed to be redeemed out of. Men love the darkness rather than the light. And he goes on to say that those who do evil hate the light because the light exposes their evil deeds. Um, so in this you know, reference with Nicodemus, I won't read the whole story, um, clearly, the darkness uh, is referring to reference uh, someone's preference for sin and their evil deeds. They don't like the light because the light points out their evil deeds. They don't like the light. So let's look at the other side of that. That must mean that they prefer their sin and evil deeds. Um, the overall context of the Gospels, all through the Gospels, not just the conversation with Nicodemus, Jesus is teaching us clearly that when he refers to darkness... He's pointing out to a condition from which people need to be redeemed. Okay, so in Scripture, darkness, clearly one of your first definitions of darkness when you think about your Bible might be the sin and the, the darkness that we are redeemed out of. So it does call into question when we speak, speak about the light and darkness, what, what is our condition? Have we been redeemed out of the darkness? And likewise, if someone sees the light in you and they're asking you questions, Think about where they are or where they might be because they're in a place where they can see the light. They're in a place that's dark where they can see the light. So we think about where we are at in that scenario and Jesus clearly understood with Nicodemus what he needed to explain about light and darkness. Uh, A third way that we look at darkness in Scripture, not just simply the lack of light or strictly speaking the gospel, is the darkness of the troubles that come. And this is often uh, God's work God's work in someone's life, and usually it is primarily for the sake of salvation, but let's look at uh, the times that are dark and difficult 
um, where God is working to refine us, working to grow us, and working to turn us in the direction he wants us to go. Certainly, uh, darkness we experience in the troubles of life. Uh, we are foreigners. We're sojourning in a world that is, as Ken already said, twisted by sin. It is a mess. And we are living in this context. So as we live in that context, we have to ask ourselves, all right, if I have the light of Christ in me and I am the light, but I'm living in this darkness, it brings us back to the original question at the top of the page. Will the darkness continue? Uh, Does the darkness in my heart continue? Hopefully not. But will we continue to walk in darkness? Uh, In one sense in this world, yes. And uh, when we walk in the darkness, what light do we see and what light do we focus on when we walk in the darkness and how do we point others to that light? So those are some of the big questions today. But again, moving on, I'd like to go to Isaiah 50. And I don't know that you would randomly decide one day to study Isaiah 50. Um, But there's a verse in Isaiah 50 that has stayed with me a long time um, because of a book by Wayne Mack possibly, called Down But Not Out. Okay, all of the ways that we are encouraged by the light of the gospel and God's word when we have those, those dark and difficult times. Um, we'll get to Isaiah 50.10 in a moment, but I would like to read all the way through Isaiah 50. And it's not my intent to take a line-by-line, verse-by-verse uh, study of this. There's, there are a lot of tricky things in this chapter that um, uh, we might dig into later. If you have questions, you can ask me. Um, how far I made it in the study. But we're going to skip through here and take a couple of main points out of chapter 50 and look for some application that will uh, be of benefit to us today. So Isaiah 50, I'll read the English Standard Version. And then we'll talk a bit about the context and the main points from there. Thus says the Lord, Where is your mother's certificate of divorce with which I sent her away? Or which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you? Behold, for your iniquities were sold, and for your transgressions your mother was sent away. Why, when I came, was there no man? Why, when I called, was there no one to answer? Is my hand shortened that it cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? Behold, by my rebuke I dry up the sea, I make the rivers a desert, their fish stink for lack of water and die of thirst. I clothe the heavens with blackness and make sackcloth their covering. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear. I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. But the Lord God helps me, therefore I have not been disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near, who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. Who is among you that fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Behold, you who kindle a fire, 
who equip yourselves with burning torches, walk by the light of your fire and by the torches that you have kindled. This you may have from my hand. You will lie down in torment. So some tricky thoughts there, and uh, certainly some questions will come up that we won't dig in today, but just a brief consideration of the context, um, again, without working through the chapter verse by verse. We see here Yahweh's perspective of the nation of Israel's sin and his resulting rejection of them. The kingdom is divided at this point, so they're living in two groups And obviously it would be his goal that they would all be kingdom citizens. We understand the end of the story where we will all gather together as kingdom citizens. So we see Yahweh's perspective here of their sin and what's happening because um, he's rejecting the condition that they are in. However, Yahweh holds out hope that he can redeem them through dark and difficult circumstances, things that that have already happened, such as the words the prophets um, have spoken, Um, They were deaf to that message. And even though God's powerful hand over the sea and through caring for them in the wilderness, uh, perhaps even referring to the plagues in Egypt, uh, thinking about how they responded or didn't respond to God's work in their life. Nonetheless, um, it continues to be God's goal to bring them through this refining process to get them to the point of being healthy kingdom citizens. So, that's a, that's a big thing to think about, and there are a lot of details there. But just consider God's goodness, that it is still his desire to um, unite them, unite the church with Israel. And in the end, we think about what that will look like in the end. So again, through all of those difficult circumstances, even stinky fish. Um, so if we take a quick look at verse 10, this is, again, what got me rolling in this study, this idea of darkness. Um, there is a Hebrew word for darkness in verse 10. I won't try to pronounce it. Um, There are a couple words that are very similar there, and you can study them all through Scripture if you like. But let's just take a a definition here in the sense of this particular Hebrew word. um, To become dark, to grow dim, to be black, to be hidden, to hide or conceal, to obscure, to confuse. So maybe even in the grand context of things here, we could just take the, the poetic word of misery. Okay, so that's the kind of, of darkness we're looking at and the, the context of that chapter. So again, God uses difficult circumstances in our lives to redirect our walk, to help us uh, keep our eyes on him, and we see later in the chapter that um, there is a way that we can do that. Okay, the heart of God is to continue working even through difficult circumstances. Um, it says that his hand is not so short that he cannot ransom. Uh, it's not that God does not have the power to deliver. These are things we should try to remember. Um, even though he might dry up the seas and leave them with stinky fish, he still fed them. They survived. Um, even though they're in the wilderness, he continued to bring them through. Um, clothing, even, that they would need for their body. So we think about God still carrying them through even though those were the dark circumstances they were in. Uh, Moving down the chapter, uh, there is a shift in what we see here. And uh, if you were to look in Isaiah for verses about the suffering servant, you might not come here. Okay, I'm sure you have other chapters in mind in the book of Isaiah where you might go if you wanted to see Jesus. Okay, and we even looked at Isaiah 9. But if we do look here, I'll point out a couple of things just in passing as we move through the chapter. Verse 6 and 7. He gives his back to those who would strike him. He gives his cheek to those who would pluck out his beard. 
gives his uncovered face for them to spit upon. I mean, you can't read those and not think about the New Testament and what happened to our Savior. Uh, verse 7, he set his face like a flint and determination. Yahweh's servant will endure with great determination because that's what's needed in their darkness. And again, that points you to Luke 9. Uh, when the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. The idea of setting your face like a flint is just the pure determination of what it would take for those who are in darkness. And that's what he did. That's what he did for us. So in that context of darkness and difficulties, um, trying to bring God's people to where they could be true kingdom citizens, this is what God has done, is doing, will continue to do. And we see here that uh, the work of Christ is key. So today, of course, we live after the cross. And we can look back and see these kinds of things. We can see what is documented for what our Savior went through and there are certainly um, blessings for us in that. And so it's good to remind ourselves of those things also, uh, being that we live after the cross, so to speak. Uh, if you look at verses 8 and 9, uh, no one can contend with the work of Christ. No one can stand against his work. Um, God defends and follows through with what Christ did, and nothing can stand against it. Isaiah forty-nine twenty-five. I have a couple Isaiah references here also. Isaiah 49, 25, For thus says the Lord, Even the captives of the mighty shall be taken, and the prey of the tyrant be rescued. For I will contend with those who contend with you, and I will save your children. Isaiah 54, 17. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed, and you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their vindication from me declares the Lord. So we have the suffering servant, and in Isaiah there are a lot of places referring to servants, plural. So again, we follow Christ, and we are God's servants here in the context of this world, and we look at the heritage of what has come because of what Christ did. And his followers continue to do the work that God has for us to do in this world. And we continue to do that also. Uh, one other blessing that we see here as far as being after the cross and being after in the timeline of the universe, being after what Christ has done. Um, we're invited to draw near to him. Uh, we see that in the passage in Isaiah 50. Um, the one who constantly seeks to restore us, um, we're invited to draw near. Uh, that draw near idea is about intimate fellowship. It's a, Drawing near is a very personal and intimate idea. Um, a cross-reference there is actually referring to Joseph and his brothers after the whole mess. Joseph calls them and says, come near to me, please. And they came near to him and he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. I mean, think of the recovery that happened in those relationships, that drawing near again from the darkness that was there. Think of all the broken relationships in that family. What a mess that was after all that happened in their family. And think of the darkness that was there. And then the drawing near. So we like the draw near. We like the light, the hopeful, the happy side, but also look at what they were drawn near from. What was overcome? What darkness did we get through in that? Uh, a couple more thoughts here in Isaiah 50. There is a warning towards the end of the chapter if you look at verse 10 again and then on through verse 11. Maybe I can read those again for you here. 
Um, verse 10, who is among you that fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. And then comes the warning. Uh, Behold, all you who kindle a fire, who equip yourselves with burning torches, walk by the light of your fire and by the torches that you have kindled. And this is what you'll have for my hand. You'll lie down in torment. Um, I think it's practical to say that we could choose to light our own fire in the darkness. We could choose to find the things that make us happy when times are hard. I think to some extent the fellowship we have with one another is a good happiness to have and there are good things to reach toward in the midst of the darkness. Uh, But we should be cautious not to light our own fire to rally around and to find the things that help us get through. And I think the world might call them... um, I'm sure there's a psychology term for that where we find things to compensate. And we ought to be cautious about those things. You could choose to circle around those things and create your own light in this darkness. Um, You could choose to walk in your own wisdom and your own logic to try to muscle through the dark times. And I think that's a warning that I, I take in a practical way from these verses. And don't trust in horses and chariots, and maybe you think of the familiar verse in Psalm 20, some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And the phrase Lord our God just resonates with me because I'm looking at verse 10, which says, if you walk in darkness, look to the name of the Lord your God. So um, some warnings here, some cautions here about the troubles that we face, and you won't be lying down in peace and calm if you try to rally around your own fire and get something happy and something create your own light in life. Okay, There's a, a bit of contrast here from what we see in Psalms and Proverbs where it would be much better to lie down in green pastures and lie down in a place where there is peace and you're not afraid because you've been following the light of the Good Shepherd. That's a little bit different than trying to find your own ways to um, make it through the darkness. So application today for us as believers, those that have the light of Jesus in your heart, do you walk in darkness? And you say, well, yeah, I like going out this summer. I hope to go camping and have those clear dark nights that are comfortable temperature where I can look in the dark sky and see the stars. I like walking in the darkness. All right, Steve, you're being silly. Well, on a practical level of physical light and darkness, there isn't fear. And we do enjoy the darkness. Some of you have the darkest curtains you can find because that's how you want your room to sleep. And that's great. Okay? But seriously, though, we do experience darkness. Okay? And we struggle with sin. Of course, we understand that we are not perfected yet. Sin still has its um, way of messing us up, tripping us up, and tangling us up. So we think about 1 John 1, 9, that he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We press on in that. We hold on to that truth. We also hold on to Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We hold on to these things in the darkness. And we press on because we know that darkness is not just night and day. It is the reality of our walk, especially in this world. And again, no condemnation. Forgiveness. God's love continues. Isaiah 50.10 says, Those who walk in darkness and have no light, should trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. So this passage in Isaiah 50, primarily, if we were uh, just to be clear as a whole context of the chapter, it's evangelistic. 
Okay, we would like to see that uh, people who are under God's judgment, who are really not walking in the path he has for them, they're really not living the way he would see their life to go to be kingdom citizens. There's, there's a judgment and a redirecting there that's very hard. And we could see that someone coming out of that kind of darkness needs to first acknowledge who the suffering servant is and what Christ did for them. So yes, as a whole in this passage, we probably should look at it as the evangelistic call to say, what darkness are you in? As a believer, I know I have the light of Christ in me, but to the unbeliever, that darkness in you needs to first be addressed by what Christ has done for you. However, you know, believers, as we are after the cross, understanding Christ walking in salvation, let's take some application out of this verse and say, well, I do have dark times. I do struggle. I do live in a world where the world makes me experience the darkness. The darkness gets on me. Okay, how do I deal with that? And it says, trusting in the name of the Lord. So what I've done, even though in this world you will have trouble, we saw that this morning, we will have darkness, troubles, difficulties, challenges. We need to do certain things that keep us pointed to the light and keep the light strong in us. And maybe it's Christianese to just say, follow the light. Well, what do you mean by that? How do I do that? Keep your eyes on Jesus. How? How do you help me do that? How do I help you do that? How does that work? Well, the one suggestion here, let's start with this, is trust in the name of the Lord your God. I won't give this to you as a homework. I've already done your homework here. Let's go through the list, okay? God is the all-sufficient one. If you think you want to worry about the new year, just remember, God has everything you need. God most high. If you worry about uh, leaders in this world that think they are high and deciding how life works for you, God most high. Okay, remember the names of God. The everlasting God. It seems like your darkness and troubles won't end, but eternity is much longer than anything we're going through. It's just hard to remember that at the time. Lord Jehovah. The Lord, my banner, um, I was tempted to bring Sergeant Edgecombe up here as a drill sergeant and put on a demonstration here as we all walk in our squads. And I remember this from my army days because I ran in the dark many times in the morning. And I just followed the person in front of me hoping I was not going to step in a pothole. Now somewhere in the front of the squad was the guidon barrier. And the guidon is about a 10-foot pole with a very small flag at the top with the company insignia on it and you follow the guide on. Okay? So the Lord, my banner, we follow the one carrying the banner, and that's the chief shepherd out in front, and we follow him, but we are in darkness, and that's hard to do. Okay? So you need to stay in your squads and follow your squad leaders. Okay? But remember, there is a banner in front of us that leads us in the darkness. Okay? And this is a banner that leads you to victory. Okay, so trust in the name of the Lord your God. He's the creator. The creator put things together, so he holds things together. Move forward in the new year remembering that he holds things together. He is sovereign and he allows things to break down for his purposes, but he is the creator, he holds things together. The Lord my shepherd, again the idea of him leading. God is a jealous God, 
If we find frustrations in the year ahead, we have to stop and think to ourselves, all right, am I being selfish here instead of thinking about what God wants? Because God is a, a jealous God. The Lord who heals, he can. Doesn't mean he will, but he can, and I think we should remember that. The Lord is there. He didn't disappear. He hasn't gone away. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, his helper. He's here with us. The Lord is there. The Lord who sees. He sees you in your need. He sees the trouble you're in. He sees the context of where your life is right now. He sees. The Lord of hosts. He has access to armies. He chooses how he uses them, but he has access to the heavenly hosts. The Lord, our righteousness. You say, well, I want to learn and grow in this new year, and I want to grow in my righteousness. The Lord is our righteousness, and he will grow you. The Lord who sanctifies you. You say, well, I struggle with sin. This darkness is one of those besetting things that I, I hang on to as a crutch, and I feel like I keep falling back on that stupid sin. Look, he sanctifies you. So these are the things you have hopeful looking forward if you would keep your, na- your eyes on the names of the Lord. That describes who he is, and that's a way that you keep your eyes on the light. So it may be Christianese to say, follow the light or keep your eyes on Jesus, but why don't you point that out to someone when they're struggling with, oh, I've got this need in my life, I have to figure out how to solve this problem this year ahead. Well, point to these names of God just to remember who it is that sent Jesus for you. Um, Again, thinking of last week's sermon in Matthew 6 and the topic of anxiety, no matter what the circumstances are in your life that seem dark or difficult or just plain confusing, just remember that good comes out of the darkness. Okay, God works in the darkness just the same as he works in the light. And we have to exercise our good discipline to not ask a lot of what-if questions and really uh, choose to be stuck in that, but need to turn our eyes in that way to who God is. So it's not God's desire for us to be lost in darkness, to be stuck in darkness of a besetting sin. Um, It is God's desire for us to remember who he is and what he's doing for us. He hasn't changed. Uh, Another way we could help each other, and our care group has gotten started on Philippians 4.8, so let me just give you an idea of how we're looking at the first couple parts of the verse, but we hope to continue in the new year. Okay, this is one way we've decided as a group that we will point each other to the light. Um, so it's God's desire that we dwell on the right things while we live in the darkness of this world. Philippians 4.8. It's God's desire that even in darkness that we should dwell on what is true, dwell on what is honorable, what is right and pure, what is lovely, what is of good repute. It's God's desire that you would dwell on things that are excellent, and worthy of praise. So I have a card, the first time I went through this quite a while ago, even before our care group started with this, and I wrote down the opposite, okay, because today uh, we are looking at light and dark. Well, what, what are the opposites of these things? Well, if uh, Eric Roberts is going to help Steve think about what is real and true, then he's going to recognize when I'm dreaming something up in my mind or I'm over-exaggerating, and Eric's going to say something to me and say, Steve, I think you're exaggerating, because what's true is, and finish that thought. Okay, So it would be our goal to think about what's honorable. Well, then don't think about things that are trivial and worldly. Dwell on things that are sober-minded. What is right? Dwell on things that are upright and just. Well, 
don't dwell on man's way of surviving through things, living through their circumstances and dealing with their problems. All right, what is pure and clean? Well, stop me if I keep talking about all the corruption in the world. Yeah, that's how it is. Okay, point me to think about something that is clean and sacred. Okay, lovely. Love is toward others. Well, if I sound like I'm self-focused, I hope you'll tell me, so that I'm not focused toward myself, I'm focused toward love and what's lovely. Of good repute, what's admirable, what is of good report, not fault-finding. If I'm being critical, I hope you'll help me see that and, and say something to me about that, because the goal is that we would help one another in these things. So I won't go through the rest of the verse, but I think you get the idea that if we're called to dwell on these things in the light, well, what is it we're putting off? that we would put on these things that are in the light. So some closing thoughts here. First of all, salvation. If you've not confessed that Jesus is the key to freedom from darkness, your life is just dark, difficult, frustrating, and you, you don't know that you can see the way out. And you don't know who you work with, who you interact with from day to day that are in that state. Let's help them know that in the darkness that you experience, there's one true light that gets you out of that. There is no lighting your own fire. There is no other light that you can drum up in your life that's going to fix that. Acts 26.18. Acts 26.18 says, Jesus came to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and receive a place among those who are sanctified by faith in him. So that's where someone who is not born again stands. They are in darkness. Am I in darkness, having been born again? No, in my heart I'm not living in darkness. I live in a dark world. And I have to ask myself, how will I be the light? So, believer, you are sanctified by faith in Jesus. Uh, Physically dealing with darkness, enjoy the darkness if you need those dark curtains. Get out and go for a walk at night sometime. It's just different than during the day. It might actually be refreshing. What else can you do physically to help yourself with light and darkness? Turn off your phone. That's a light that you have in your life that maybe you need to set aside once in a while. Okay, turn off the computer. Get away from the technology. Open a hard copy book. Open the Bible. Uh, do something different. So physically this year ahead, think about light and darkness in those ways, things that could be good for you. Um, sin doesn't win. Sin's already defeated. You have some struggles. We all do. Remember those things as a believer that the darkness doesn't win. Uh, regarding the good news, you are the light in this dark place. Okay, You have this light in you. You need to stay shiny so that you can reflect it. And that's how you can be the light. Okay, You need to stay shiny and deal with the darkness. Think about the conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus. Think about the conversation you might need to have with someone in your family or someone you work with or someone you see from day to day. And in the new year for one another, as you care for each other and God's family, be the light in someone's darkness. Call them, contact them, go to their home, share scripture with them, send them a card that has a Bible verse in it, 
Help them put aside the world's wisdoms, philosophies, and ideas that they're, they're tossing around in their head, thinking about how they want to deal with something in this life. Point them to God's perspective. Help them to consider the, the good list of things to dwell on. Help them to consider the names of God. Uh, we are going to close with a hymn. I'll ask the music team to come up here in just a moment. You can make your way up. And uh, I thought it would be fitting to sing the hymn that was being played on the piano in that home that was nearly destroyed, completely leveled, but not. How is it that walls can be missing, yet on one wall books can be in order? God chooses, and I hope that we will redeem the dark circumstances the way that family did as she recorded the man at the piano.